0: Welcome to the Oncology Data Advisor Fellows Forum. I'm Kira Smith. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Sunil Ayer, who is a Chief Hematology Oncology Fellow at the University of Miami. Dr. Ayer, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Hi, everyone. So it's an honor to be here. I'm uh, Sunil Ayer. I'm a third-year Hematology Oncology Fellow, uh, current Chief Fellow uh, for the next month and a half at University of Miami, Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center in Miami, Florida. I grew up in the Midwest from Columbus, Ohio, Uh, came down to Miami for medical school. it was about 20 degrees negative 20 degrees when i took off and 75 degrees when i landed so i think i made (laughs) made a good decision so i'm i'm personally interested in uh in leukemia so um, you know acute lymphoblastic leukemia acute myeloid leukemia myelodysplastic syndrome and i'll actually be joining the faculty at columbia university uh the leukemia disease team uh, in august of this year
0: awesome and congrats (laughs) um so what are the particular areas of leukemia research that you focus on
1: so one thing, you know, I've, I've really noticed working down here in Miami is that um, there are a lot of patients with a disease called ALL, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and th- this is the most common uh, malignancy of childhood. And so the majority of cases, maybe 60 to 70% of cases occur in, in children, so those under 20, and maybe 30 to 40% of cases occur in adults. Uh, we notice here in, in Miami, you know, a lot of my colleagues come from, you know, the Midwest or the Northeast. And we noticed there are, are a lot more cases of adult ALL than than expected. And, you know, it, it kind of got some of us to read the literature from other countries. And it looks like in in several you know Latin American countries, the incidence of this disease is much higher than what's reported in, previously reported in the U.S. or reported in Europe. Um, a lot of these patients are younger adults as well, you know, in their 20s or 30s. Um, so I think as a medical student, I met a lot of these patients. I really... You know, I really bonded with them. A lot of a lot of them were about the same age as me. So I think I've had this motivation to figure out why why this happens and what we can do about it. Uh, We also find that the disease is is of higher risk when it comes to their cytogenetics or molecular mutations. Um, When you think about ALL, we kind of divide it into two major categories, Philadelphia positive or Philadelphia negative. What that means is that the disease is either driven by the Philadelphia chromosome, uh, which you also see implicated in chronic myeloid leukemia. And that's something we can target very well with modern therapies. So that went from being a really terrible, pretty much incurable disease to something we can cure in the majority of cases, or you have Philadelphia negative disease, which is not driven by this chromosome. Well, in the Latino population, we find an increased incidence of something called Philadelphia-like ALL. What that means is it has all the badness of Philadelphia positive, but it doesn't have that Achilles heel that you can target. So we find that this is much more common in the Latino population. It's unfortunately harder to treat, harder to put into remission, and more prone to relapse. So um, one of the major projects I'm working on with um, Dr. Alvaro Alancar, who specializes more in lymphoma, but he does see ALL as well, um, is that we, we have a project um, which we call Gallian Genomic uh, Analysis of uh, Lymphoid Neoplasm in Latinos, and what we aim to do is every new patient who comes to the University of Miami with the diagnosis of, of B-cell ALL, um, we do a buccal swab, meaning we take a saliva sample and do whole genome sequencing. And we could actually do this here on campus at the University of Miami. And we also take uh, a bone marrow aspirate sample and we send that to the Charles Mulligan lab at St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And that's actually the group that first discovered Philadelphia like ALL about 10 years ago. So he's able to do very sensitive testing in his lab that, you know, we don't really have anywhere else. It's proprietary testing that may pick up cases of Philadelphia-like that we or most centers cannot pick up with standard, you know, fish testing. And what we do on our end with the genomic testing is try to see if there are any you know mutations that are germline, meaning inherited from parents, that may correlate with higher risk disease, whether that's Philadelphia-like or just disease that tends to be harder to put into remission or keep in remission. And we hope to kind of you know clarify this. And the end game, I think, which will take several years, but the end game is to figure out um, if we can identify higher risk patients from the beginning, and maybe we can allocate those patients to get earlier immunotherapy or earlier stem cell transplant and cure more of these patients. And I think really the end game would be to develop clinical trials and figure out which patients would be good candidates for these trials to optimize their chance of, of cure. And that's, you know, my main project that I hope to take up to Columbia University. And we actually hope to open it in many centers because the Latino population is very heterogeneous. The Latino population in Miami is uh, more of, of Cuban descent than any other descent, whereas in New York, you have more of a Dominican and Puerto Rican population. And in Los Angeles, over 70% of the Latino populations of Mexican origin. So everyone has very different backgrounds. And it would be great to not just get Latino patients, but you know, everyone to really figure out what inherited uh, germline features may portend the risk of high-risk AL.
0: Awesome. That's definitely such important research, and it'll be exciting to see where it all goes. So with all the recent changes you mentioned, I know there are a lot of advances in immunotherapy as well as chemotherapy-free approaches. Would you like to describe some of these?
1: Sure. So, you know. As I mentioned, acute lymphoblastic leukemia is more of a disease of children than adults. So, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, unfortunately, the majority of children could not be cured. Now the cure rate approaches 90% or higher in some subtypes. So we know how to treat this disease. But the problem is that this therapy is very difficult for adult patients. Some of the medications have a lot more side effects, not just the chemotherapy, but, um, you know, some other some other treatments that can be well-tolerated in children. But we kind of shudder at the thought of giving it to someone older than 40 or 45 because the rate of side effects is so high. So what we're trying to figure out in adults is how to optimally treat these patients, something less toxic than standard chemotherapy that can be equally effective. So um, we've been using the anti-CD20 uh, antibody rituximab for many years now, which can which can improve survival in adults with B-cell ALL. But there are other um, immunotherapies such as blinatumumab. So this is an antibody basically with two arms. It's a bispecific T-cell engager. What that means is with one arm, it grabs onto T-cells in, in your immune system. And with its other hand, it grabs onto the cancer cells, the, the B-lymphoblasts, and it brings them together and creates an immune response. And uh, this therapy has very high rates of inducing remission, and it's currently approved for adults with relapsed or refractory B-cell ALL. So one really exciting development is that this is being studied up front in patients who um, who do not really have any signs of refractory disease, meaning they get the chemotherapy and the bone marrow appears to be well treated. Well, we wonder if you add this immunotherapy up front, is it possible that you're taking out some of these bad cancer cells that we're not able to detect, some of these cancer cells that may lead to relapse? And um, you know data that was recently presented at ASH, the American Society of Hematology meeting last year. Did show that you know did show that you have improved survival and reduced relapse. So um, and, you know, unfortunately, based on that one study, it's not enough to get this therapy approved in this setting. But I think it's spurring bigger multi center trials. Um, and it'll be tough to get this past insurance at this point. Perhaps for higher risk disease, we, we you know we can make a case for it. But I think that once this um, re- you know really is shown to be beneficial. We can reduce the amount of chemotherapy we give people and, you know, reduce the risk of infection, of heart disease, cardiomyopathy from chemo. um, And we can introduce these immunotherapies, which are generally well tolerated. And I think, you know, even more exciting at this time is the treatment of Philadelphia chromosome positive ALL. So we know we used to treat this with chemotherapy only, and it would relapse a lot more than Philadelphia negative disease. We know that we can um, use these targeted therapies, the same ones we use in chronic myeloid leukemia, such as imatinib, dasatinib, ponatinib, these oral pills that are also generally well tolerated. And we know that when we give this to these patients with Philadelphia positive ALL, these pills do a lot of the heavy lifting. So it it made us wonder, you know, in older patients, 60s, 70s, 80s, can we we reduce the amount of chemotherapy? And we found that we could, we can still uh, induce remission by using these pills with less chemotherapy. And now the question is, can we forego chemotherapy entirely? So some really exciting research, um, the, the ALBA trial, which came out of uh, Italy within the past couple of years, showed that you can induce patients uh, with B-cell ALL using um, pills such as dasatinib or ponatinib combined with this immunotherapy uh, that I described without systemic IV chemotherapy. And you get really high rates of remission, remission that lasts a long time potentially you don't even need to transplant these patients and they may, may be cured with this therapy alone. So I think that's extremely exciting that now our, our patients who are 70 and 80 who are not great candidates for intensive chemotherapy have a real shot at cure.
0: Great. Those are all such exciting new treatment directions. So you touched on genomics and how this can be used to help detect and treat patients with higher risk disease. Would you like to share more about this?
1: Sure. So we know that you know in, in certain countries, um, um, in certain Latin American countries where um more indigenous genotype prevails, meaning you know if you if you go to um if you go to Cuba for example, and you do a genomic analysis of people, you'll see a, a large amount of of uh, DNA that originates from Spain or Western Europe. Whereas if you go to other countries, specifically um, Guatemala and Peru have been tested, there's been a higher um, higher percentage of DNA that comes from indigenous American ancestry. Um, so we found that in these nations with more indigenous DNA, there is a higher risk of ALL and a high risk of high risk ALL. So it's been try- we've been trying to study what genes may be responsible. Um, there's a gene called Gata 3, which is which is involved in the maturing of uh, of lymphocytes. And we find that there are certain germline mutations, meaning inherited, you know, from parent to child, that can that can cause problems, that can cause leukemogenesis. And this we notice this in children and adults. So um what we hope to, to, to gain from our studies to figure out there must be there must be other genes that we don't know about. So um, if we can, you know, if we can find patients um, with new diagnosis and we, and we can do genomic sequencing on them, we may be, be able to identify, oh, you have this, this mutation in GATA3 or Icarus, finger or some other genes, and, and we know that this tends to correlate with very high-risk behavior, so we can go ahead and um, do a consultation with their stem cell transplant team earlier, and if we can get you into remission earlier, we know, hey, for people like you, statistically, the best shot of cure is to go for transplant as soon as possible, so, you know, the goal is to identify high-risk patients by looking, looking at genomics, and um, we may not know at first w- why certain genes cause certain things to happen, but I think the first step is making the association. Um, if you know that a patient has a certain gene variant, and we know that's associated with high-risk disease, it'll help us, you know, uh, decide where in the algorithm the patient falls and what, what treatment we should pursue.
0: Awesome. This is such interesting research, so thank you so much for explaining all of it.
1: My pleasure mm <music>